All right. Hello. What's going on? Rich Ryan here. Bracken Crocker. Jack Bowers here as well. We are sounding really nice and crisp, guys. How would you say something? Crispy McChicken. <laughs> Crispy cream donuts. Man. Let's see if we can keep this going. I, th- thanks, Patreon members. Honestly, like the the new mics and some of this some of this gear. This is this is pretty awesome. We've talked about it before, like how we're going to try to spend this Patreon money that we really do appreciate coming through. That you guys find value enough in what we're doing to help support us, and and we want to put it directly back into the product. We've kicked around a couple ideas, but this is one way that we can improve the product that you guys consume. So. Huge thanks for that. We got new mics. Kurt got a mic too. So for all those listening to Running Public as well, if you've heard of it, subscribe, take a look. Kirk's gonna be sounding good as well. Yeah, basically we we just went from like the uh, Mattel brand ski ergs that Ryan Kent uses to mm -hmm. like some real concept two ones. Yeah, just really crispy. Okay, so Jack is gonna sound even better. And pretty soon he's going to get a comedy special deal off this. I'm fairly certain. And speaking of that, did you see the the post we got taken of the guy who did uh, a big weekend for his birthday? Uh, he he had a beer, a slice of pizza, and a mile were all worth one point. And his goal was to accumulate 50 points for his birthday. Over the course of a day? One day. What's this math working out to? Well, he ran 27 miles. And that it's all one point. Everything's a point. Each individual. Yeah. So he ran 27 miles. Yeah. Did he get 50? He hit like 53. Yeah. What a beast. He, Kept going. And he had to work that day too. What? So I don't think he was sneaking in many like. <laughs> he was hammering pizza. Did he eat pizza? I would love to know the breakdown. Did he have a full breakdown of it? I didn't see the full breakdown. He had a I mean, video. You yeah. saw him with at least five slices of pizza that you saw and they were legit slices like big wide sabaro slice style oh yeah no anyway, style he, not that like detroit square stuff that's good though it's good but don't give me chicago stuff i don't want any sauce on top what about the bar pie chicago bar pies all right i don't know what that is you're it's, not in that, on that it's heavy but i've stopped if you style pizza anyway Point of all that, the relation, hey, though, that's incredible. We had talked about some of the different running and eating and drinking challenges and whatnot. But he said in there, I'm glad you enjoyed it. You guys keep me laughing nonstop on the episode every week. And I thought, don't make that plural. We Not know you you're guys. Here for no chance. <laughs> <laughs> for the YouTube comments. There's, yeah. there's one person making jokes. So, I mean, if he splits it after that, that's like, 12 pieces of pizza and 11 beers. I respect that. And he hit 53. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 13 <laughs> each, a baker's dozen. Pizza. I bet I could do that. 27 but, miles. That's a, that's a long run for you, boy. He did a 21 and then he got six more, I believe. Oh, he doubled? Jeez. Before work hit 21 and like he got up and ate pizza early. To get a start on the day. Oh, then yeah. he did 21. Then he worked. And then he got six more. I think six more. He said, I couldn't run anymore. So I invite, and he, he said, I invited some friends over and it looked like he just had like a cookout and then went out to a bar. Oh, that's amazing. I, I'm banking miles while I'm fresh early. I'm eating a couple slices of pizza, you know, as, as fuel on that run. You got to get a 50 K that morning. Yeah. And then I'm eating and drinking all day. 
<laughs> mm-hmm. That's what I would try to do too. I'd try to get as much as possible. But me, I would have like, I would have, I would have overslept my alarm and then had to get twenty at night, and that just wouldn't have gone well. Yeah, Jack, your day is so short because you wake up ten minutes ago. Ten minutes ago, yeah. So you'd have to do like a full twenty-four, like a rolling twenty-four hours, not like a yeah stop of the this, day. This is like night ops, my my style. Or you could you could start, Jack. This is what Jack would have to do: start at like twelve thirty a.m. eating pizza, and then go to sleep, and then wake up and run. You'd actually have an advantage. Twenty-four hour time clock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no. If we're going, I could probably complete the challenge earlier than most because of what Rich was saying. Like, I get a head start. Most people are starting at six, seven a.m. I've got like ten slices of the pizza done at that point. Yeah. Lisa and I call it adult dinner. (laughs) Like (laughs) we eat with the family, but then later on we might have adult dinner. Yeah. Jack, it'd be trouble for you. It's a lot of that's a lot of athletic brews to drink. I know. I, I could. Well, I did the real beer mile, so. You could Plus suck it up. Ass, it's Rich. A, the Remember volume. you were in that also and you lost? Yeah. So Loves. this got me thinking because I was camping this weekend. It was Labor Day. It's a holiday. We went out with Lisa's family who are big into consuming beverages. And it got me thinking about some of these running challenges and put it into perspective after having a day or two out there. The 100-100 challenge, 100 miles and 100 beers in one week. Yeah. That's that average per day. That's not even healthy. No, no, like a hundred ounces. Ten beer day is a big day. Yeah, and to have to do that with like fifty percent more, seven straight days. Like I think you could actually cultivate an alcohol dependency in one week. (laughs) Does it have to be beer? Have to come off it, or could it be like ounce and a half of of liquor? Yeah, like four ounce pours of wine. Like either of them's gonna help you out. I mean the volume. Oh no! Yeah, volume. Uh, volume is the killer. Volume's tough on Key your skin. Also, alcohol. Also, also the alcohol. If the alcohol is a problem as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not all drinks are equal. I mean, like a twelve ounce stout and a shot are not the same in terms of what they're going to do to your gut. I'd be doing boilermakers. Yeah. Doing twofers. So to put that into perspective, that guy who did like the pizza and beer challenge, he didn't even get the fourteen that you would need per day for a week in a row, like. I know he had pizza thrown in there, but that's just... Has anyone done this? People claim to have... It's usually people on college teams in the summer. That Right after the last meet of the year. There's like an old school video, I think, of a kid who went to LaSalle in in Philly saying he did it in like less than a week, too. There was something legendary. The 100 miles would be the easiest part. And that's not easy. (laughs) It's a lot of hungover miles. Yeah, the problem is your your recovery, especially Mm. if you're doubling. Do you just do a hundred miler on day one and just like <laughs> drink the rest? <laughs> that honestly would be your move. best. That'd be your best option. You'd be behind yeah. on your drinks, but you could sneak beers throughout your hundred miler. I mean, you had one that. every like two hours or even one an hour. I bet you'd be fine. I one can't imagine after a hundred miler that what your body needs is a hundred beers in the following week for recovery, though. Okay, let's think about this. If That's you have one at the start at. line and you take one per hour. You could have a hundred miles done and twenty plus beers done in the Do first think, day. You, I mean, you'd be—I don't know. But I've never run that far per hour. Yeah, one hundred beers is over twenty four, of them. Four straight days of drinking one beer per hour, including consumption time. Like that—that's a lot. That's more than 
you know, 50% of the week drinking every single hour, not including sleep. Like it just, that's crazy. I think you'd be drunk, right? I mean, you have to be really, you have to be really careful what beers you pick. Right. It can be like, it has to be low ABV. Can you catabolize? I don't even know if you catabolize alcohol. What's the clearance rate of alcohol? Can you clear a beer per hour? I mean, that's what they tell us like back in like the dare you program. You clear a drink per hour, right? Depends what on the drink. It? it depends on the, the vo- like percentage of volume in the drink, right? Like if you have a double IPA in an hour, like that's like 8%, 9% alcohol. Like We're talking no. Colorado Walmart beer where it's 3 yeah. 5. They have 3 5 here? I think that's, that's like some, all you can buy. In they probably have to lower it because of the altitude. At least at like Walmart, some, I think all they can sell is this three five or three seven or something like that. I, I got a six pack in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one time when it was like football season. I was there, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch the birds drink this six pack. Like hammered them down, and was fine. Had to go back and get another one because there was like that three point five. I was like, this is not enough. <laughs> all I know it's is right here, def- we're definitely using the brain and race brain right now with our math. It's impressive. If we don't have a lot to talk about today. It is. It is. Uh, you it was can't just lead a show with that. <laughs> well, I People mean, we haven't. You have to let them find out slowly over time. You have no it's like, for these guys haven't talked about anything. Yeah, so, I mean, we're nine minutes out. in. We spent nine minutes talking about uh, this is a great topic, though. I think we could talk about this most episodes and be like, man, I was thinking about this again. And uh, we need to bring this we up. We get good feedback on the goofy topic. games. Yeah. I'm not done with the topic because I had a, the follow up question, which is what's the closest you've come to these things? Like I ran one 100 mile week leading into surgery, just right. see what it was like and get it. Like in college, what's, what do you think the most drinks you had in a week was like, how close have you come independently or combining? Like what, what has been your biggest of these, these notorious eating and running or eating and drinking or eat, run, drink challenges. What's your, what's your stat line? I ate 18 slices of pizza at a time once when really? I was, when I was 14 at Papa Gino's. Yeah. And then I worked there two years later as my first what, job. Is that next to Market Basket or is that by the... Uh, uh, it actually got replaced in the Aldi parking lot. And so. that's near yeah, Aldi, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't... I, I've drank a lot. And I don't know. I don't what think 100. What would this have been? Like your that, biggest week? Probably after college. Really? Probably. Well, like I didn't have any... I didn't have much going on. I didn't have a ton of purpose going on after not being able to run and running was still there in college. Couldn't be drinking a hundred beers a week during track season. Um, or maybe like a summer in the summer or something. Mm, I don't think it's a hundred, maybe sixties. Even that, think about that. That's a lot. That's 10 a day with one day off dependent. Yeah. So I probably, it'd probably been like, you know, like a 15, here or there, and then like a day with like six or seven. I can't imagine I had a week bigger than 45 or 50 beers in college. I had my sophomore year, I didn't make a, a baseball team and I didn't start track up yet until the final term. So I went three terms of my sophomore year just off the rails. And we had a kegerator in the house. So I think that at some point we had got a... Uh, we decided to do a Liney's weekend and we got a case of honey vice and a case or a, a barrel of honey vice and a, a barrel of, of, uh, what would that have been? Sunset wheat or whatever. 
and no one liked Barry Weiss. They all got gut rot off it. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And really? <laughs> kind of, it was like water for me until the barrel was gone. Those are like the early day. Like you're talking line Cooper, right? Yeah. That was like early fruit beer. And I was like, whoa, yeah. this just tastes like actually good. Because you used to just like suck down natty ice, beast ice. And it was so not there was good. probably a week there of like two or three nights that we played beer pong. And I that that probably would have been the but not 60 is even above anything I did my worst year of college. Yeah. I've got an even worse one. So I, I did that big Texan steak challenge one time and that mm-hmm. starts off with a 72 ounce steak. I probably could have eaten another 28 ounces of steak. Imagine the hundred ounces of the steak plus hundred miles combo. Just, <laughs> you feel so heavy. It seems like more doable over the course, maybe in, in a day, like our guy who just tagged jaw that. could do it. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> But other than that, I've done the hundred mile week. I have done that. My most, my most only seventy. Yeah. I did one in college, and then in twenty twenty, I did like four weeks in a row. Wow! And I was. What did that lead to? That was when I ran that like six miles and like averaging four fifty five or something like that during OCR stars. So it like, works. You were like fifty one for your ten mile, I, or right I, around that. Yeah. I got pretty fit. I think back to that. I've been thinking about that recently. Now with my training, it's like I just haven't been running enough. I need to run more. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. Like twenty twenty is like all I did was run, and I got super good at running. Like weird. <laughs> so I was reading. There's this online uh, collection of Seb Co's dad, his letters to Marius Bakken, who hmm. is the um, who the originator of that Norwegian double threshold style? Is he the originator or the just like the documentarian? According he's to the, him, is he the Columbus of it, like the first one to you know be known for it? But there were people who were doing it before. I think he's the first to weaponize it. Mm. He was he's a doctor, and he's also was like a thirteen thirteen or thirteen twelve or thirteen fifteen five k runner. So he was uh like top 10 in the world at one point and he was coached for a while by i think peter co is his name right sebco's dad yeah yeah and he was while he was competing at a high level anyway there's bakken worked and really extensively studied double threshold he did triple threshold training he tried everything but in some of these letters from peter co to marius he talked about these aerobic reload or top off weeks where every like six weeks or so he would prescribe a week where he just topped off his aerobic capacity is Mm. how he described it and Mm. he'd do like four to five days of like threshold work in there Mm. took out all speed took out long run just like we're just gonna re-up here and when i finished my 100 mile week i felt something and then when i finished a couple weeks in colorado where i hit 70 with like twenty thousand feet of vert i felt something You've like efficiency felt like it rose in that moment. And also your capacity for mental, your mental capacity for work changed as well. Hmm. Like things just felt different accordingly. And it got me thinking after reading this, I wonder if mileage top offs would be really important for OCR or hybrid athletes where we have to do all these other things. But if from time to time, you just did a big week or two and then got back to normal training, if that would see like some, cause you, you had four weeks and you felt like a different runner. Like if a few times per year you did volume top off weeks or you just regenerated all this volume, would that have a noticeable impact on hybrid athletes? Is that Dylan Scott right there? Well, he doesn't ever, he never deloads. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> he stays in that. I think that that's an interesting point. I'm, I'm testing things out a little bit right now leading into Madrid because I feel like I need to run a little bit more. So I'm going to do like a big bump or two. Mm. I think it's just kind of a roll of the dice, man. Like just physically, I think it's just tough for athletes who might not have the background in running 70, 80, 90 miles per week to jump. Like, what do you think? What are you, what are you talking about in terms of jump? Like, hundred percent jump, 50% jump. Like what's a big, like are you doubling? This is where you're going to have all the armchair experts and expert experts jump all over any number you put out there. But I would think that to see an increase, you would have to have at least 50% increase. Mm-hmm. And that I think it's tough because you don't want to put things out there that are going to get people injured. But I think for a week you can, or even two, you can handle a hundred plus percent jump in volume. Right, because you just at like in, thirty-five miles a run week. Run an ultra. True. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you can handle it, but what you do coming in and out would be key, and you would have to switch to something like an easy strength program. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't be able to be squatting and deadlifting heavy. You'd have to be doing maintenance lifting and maintenance machine work solely for skill. You'd have to remove intensity mm-hmm. throughout there in other areas. So I think it would have to be played with. But again, people will will jump at it. You can't increase your volume for a hundred percent, but then a 50 mile a week runner can't run a hundred miler. Like you can't right. go do UTMB off 12 hours of training per week and finish in 30 hours or you're injured, yeah. but you can. So like, there's a precedent for this is what do you do coming out of it in prior? I, I think it's ideal for hybrid and it, with that type of explanation, because you literally do a bunch of machine work. You can just get on the air bike. The you could double your time. You yeah. Know, it doesn't necessarily have to be run, run, but I think, I think running is where pe- most people are going to see the biggest the improvement. Yeah. Uh-huh. So but that led me to that thought too. Then when we talked with, uh, with, um, Matt gross, who was the guy who was a four flat miler in college. And he now is an American record holder age group on the ergs. He at one point was putting in 10 K per day during COVID on the skier. Hmm. Nasty. And then and that's long. Higher. That's like f- that takes like fifty minutes of straight. And then, and then he was going higher. He was going up to sixty to ninety minutes a day on the skier. He just got obsessive about it, and then got Eesh. to the point where he did a, I want to say a marathon, either half marathon or a marathon at one fifty something. Like he just got. Now he has a huge engine. He, was he running as well? Was he only doing skier? He was like running once or twice a week. I want to say okay. He would. I mean, he rode and he lifted, but he, uh, he was primarily in on skier, but he got really good at it, but he's, he was six three one sixty five, and a, a four minute miler. So obviously his frame and engine are there, but what if you did a top off week to kick off a training block on a skier for someone who's just in high rocks struggling to go one forty eight to kick it off? Mm-hmm. What if you spent 10 days doing massive volume on that? Mm-hmm. And then got back to normal training. And like every three weeks did that again. Could you see like a training camp style? Could you see a big boost on machines or primarily running or whatever it's going to be doing that? The machines are interesting because there's not that as much muscular damage that you're taking on like in running. So like what we're talking about before, it's that it's just like a roll of the dice to increase your mileage by a hundred percent. Right. Right. Just- because physically sure. it just is so such so much more so i don't know where that line is in terms of overtraining on a machine i think it's way higher than what 
we believe it to be, especially coming from a running background where we're like 80-20, like 10% jumps each week. And that's just to preserve your musculature. Maybe I'll try it, BK. Got a race coming up. Maybe I'll just get up on that skier. I'm going to do it today. <laughs> yeah. What if you added an extra hour of skier every morning mm-hmm. or 45 minutes for a week? And it's like, so like that's low hanging fruit, right? So just like, right. there's not, you don't have to think, overthink it. It's just work. And if you get in a rhythm saying, and you like, roll a little bit high end aerobic, great. True. But you're not you're doing structured like in interval. The, just in the two teens, just crank it out. Nothing too fast. Just, just go at it. I think that's too slow. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think to get like, uh, useful machine work, it kind of needs to be closer to, let me see what I'm going to try to say here. Um, 2k plus like 20 pace. Okay. I would call it like, for lack of better terms, like a mechanical threshold. Mm. Like, where I'm using the form I'm going to use. I'm using roughly the same engagement and drive of what I'm going to use. Because yes. if you go too Probably. slow, all you do is do your normal stroke and rest five seconds in between each stroke, or you start like pulling back on engagement. You're you going have to slow have engagement. Yeah. Like the the fastest, the the slowest pace that gets you full engagement of your form, whatever that is, like that mechanical threshold. I think you mm, do keeping- a ton of volume at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. keeping the the strokes per minute like race pace, even if it's at a lower damper. So you might not be pulling as hard, but you're still. Yeah. I think I think what you're saying almost the opposite. Keeping your strokes per minute way down, like down like ten yeah. strokes. Like if you're doing like thirty eight, take it to twenty eight, and just pull hard every time, okay. and just and like the same way that you would pull when you would normally do like your intervals, but just recover more. Have you guys ever played around Got with it. the force curve on that? Mm-mm. They have the digital meter or the the little graphic mm-hmm. that comes on there. I don't know how to interpret. I, I I have my display that I like looking at, and that's just it's so it's so hard to go to a different display. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I've just so like the top dudes in the in this space, like the um Jason Marshall, what's uh strongman Eddie Eddie Hall with his 109 pace on the skier. What's what, his brother? His brother's not Eddie Hall. What's his brother's name? Eddie Hall's the world's strongest man guy. His brother is the guy who's, who has the thousand meter record oh. on the ski in the row. Eddie Hall had the hundred meter. He he was just trying to top, say Jason top Hall, like, but I don't know just, if that's true. They'll just call him Bobby Hall. Um, they generate a ton of power at the top. So their first curve is like, a ski slope like it starts real high like super high at the top of the thing and drastically drops off because they pull so much here that they're not engaging all the way through where i've seen a lot of people more like in the high rock space like it should be your first pull should be the most powerful right that's where you're generating the most power so it should still have like a bit of a down curve but for us like endurance athletes it seems to be like we stretch it out longer so we just kind of pull longer where the dudes who are the best, they hammer right up front and then they recover basically the whole time. Yeah, it's the the skier and to an extent the rower, they kind of, the gap is bigger than we'd like to think between the real world application and how you need to approach a machine to crank watts. Mm-hmm. Like the endurance athletes come to it from a ski how you'd ski. 
you want sustainability, you want a long, smooth glide, mm. you want all that where they're like, I'm strong in a position and I'm going to put out force right here and I'm going to get all the recovery I can. You know, it's not the same way you would actually Nordic ski, but no. the machine doesn't care. It's built to mimic it, but it abides by a different set of rules. Yeah. The guy's name is James Hall, by the way. James, not Jim. Jim. And darn it. And and here's a quick question on that. I, I don't want to derail that, but which set of Hall brothers is more impressive? Uh, isn't it Ryan Hall and Chad Hall, their brothers? Or is it, how about Eddie Hall versus James Hall? Like, pretty accomplished. What's Chad Hall done? He's he's now like a 212 marathoner. Yeah, he's oh. like Olympic trials, like legit. And so he's done we've got the world's strongest man and the skier record holder versus the American marathon record holder and a very accomplished runner as well. That, that's a talented Hall last name. You'd have to take world's strongest man, Eddie and Jason. Yeah. Why? It's not Jason because they're the it's only ones that have a Jim. world champ oh. and a record holder. Yeah. Is world's strongest man as competitive as running, as marathoning? It, it's kind of, that's no. an interesting question because I think at the top, it's less deep, but you get every person at the competition. Like, how do you become a world champ marathoner? Well, each country can only send three. And there's there's it's kind of sticky in a lot of countries who you send. Like in the US, our best don't even always declare Right. So like like this year, world champs just happened. Kipchoge, Kiptum weren't there. So whoever won the world championship only had to beat the third best person in the world. I see. Where when's the last time the best people didn't show up to world's strongest? It's the only so, it's their only event. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's yeah. it's almost like a push. Less less dense, everyone's there. Right. Because I mean the the barrier for entry for world's strongest man is so much higher than just we're like, not making it in endurance yeah like you have to be of a certain build and of a certain mindset to make yourself that build i'd say that's a marathoning no he, he's only six one though eddie hall he's not like brian shaw who's six eight four hundred pounds like eddie eddie hall was uh i think he used to hold like the youth record for swimming in a couple events for the uk growing up so not I'm a small based. area and then he just like I'm a tank. I'm going into world's strongest man. Watch like, it's better. Watch a marathon and watch world's strongest men. They're the same type of end of the spectrum of body types. You're the same amount of outlier, I would say. Uh, I think it's Maybe harder even to more put so on marathoning. No, because you're not going to find you're not going to find a, a world class marathoner over 140 pounds. Which I think means that, you have like a 45 pound range you have to be yeah. in, regardless of your height. Whereas world's strongest man, you can have like a, a 10 inch difference in height and a hundred pound difference. I guess what I'm saying is that every youth athlete has the opportunity to be a distance runner, right? Like the pool is basically every person more or less. And world's strongest man, it's like I a can, choice. I don't know if you've seen what American kids look like these days. I think they're they're leaning more towards the uh, world's strongest man. No, I, I I can I can get on board with that in terms of opportunity to even try the sport. And then the right. I guess the other thing is we are all born with an ideal marathoner's frame, <laughs> right? And we grow out of it. Whereas you have to put in decades of work, and there's no guarantee you can even get up to a world's strongest man's frame. More people have done a half marathon 
than have done. I guess I was talking about at the elite level, qualifying for worlds at either one. Right. Like what, like if there was some sort of metric that we could be, that we could put at the tip of the spear of athleticism for both, like maybe it's the same, maybe it's the same, maybe world's strongest man is better, but to rise and have a record, does Hall have the half and the full? He was for US sub 60. I, I, maybe Galen Rupp broke it. He had a Galen get under that. I thought he did. But Chad Hall, he ran a 214. That was his fastest marathon. But I'll, I'll look up uh, Ryan Hall. Yeah, what's more impressive, a 214 full or having that 1K skier record? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Ryan Hall, American record holder, 59.43 and then 204.58. That was crazy. Yeah. He, well, he held the marathon. That's been past since, but he still holds the half. He still has the full, doesn't he? He has uh, the full on a on Boston, not no, wind. Boston, yeah, yeah, the the wind wind downhill, aided, yeah, which is crazy. Net downhill, wind aided. Still twenty six point two. Okay, miles. no, he still he still does hold both of them at, at that. You're right. Who is the official one then? It, right here, Caleb, fastest Kikuchi? marathon and half marathon. And half marathon, right? It's on his profile. I got the, yeah, I got the events. Yeah, but in terms of a point to point world doesn't athletics count. certified oh, oh, course or USA that super yeah. windy year. I think it's Khalid Kanuchi has the American record Khalid. then. Khalid. Yeah, yeah. Khalid. Some say Khalid. DJ Khalid Kanuchi. Yeah. I say Khalid. Some say Khalid. I'm going to go with the runner halls. Ryan Hall was just that guy. That's right. How many times has Eddie Hall even won the World Strongest Man? Once. He deadlifted 1,100 pounds. So More what? More times than Ryan Hall won world championships. Nah. Would you say that's a world championship? I guess. I don't know. Who is High Rocks? Who are the other, like... Decca is. Yeah, that's right. I mean, is, is this similar to being like, oh, the Bekele is? Because, you know, you have a couple... Uh, Kenanisa, and then one of them started with a T, who was really good. Um, or like the Dababas, like w- which family is like the most prolific? The Dababas had three, yeah, and they were all but killers. The Gronkowskis, dude, <laughs> the Mannings, yeah. How about the Mannings? Do you think we'll see Ryan Hall in a hybrid event? Is this is this going to happen? You think ever? He would have done this Nick by Simmons. now. He looks like he's getting a little bit leaner. I've been seeing him doing some running. I mean, not leaner, like smaller, I guess, because he was always pretty just lean muscle. I don't know the guy at all. However, I know most distance runners, and I've watched him do enough things that I don't think he's a hybrid athlete material in terms of a elite competitor. I think he's a in a vacuum guy. He was a crazy good runner. He got very muscular. I don't think he ever got crazy strong. I don't think he ever got I never saw him do an impressive functional fitness endeavor. Yeah, he's so I don't, never done I don't, in his life. Even when he would do pull-ups and stuff, it was never like, oh, this guy's like great at moving his body. He's This isn't a shot at him. This is just like your athletic skill set. I think he's a, in a vacuum guy. He can go all in on a thing, but he doesn't strike me as someone who can pair it. Did I tell you I did? I have met him. No. I told you this. I met him at an event. It was actually, you guys remember Second Skin? That oh, yeah. like brand from Dick Sporting Goods, they basically had a uh, marketing 
plan to just have a bazillion brand ambassadors. And I was one of those ambassadors, but there are people that were paid too. I think Hunter got paid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got turned a couple down. Of, you got turned down to get to paid or for ambassador. I was invited to, to apply for a paid position and got turned down for both that and ambassador position. And they're like, never mind, never mind on both accounts. What'd you do? I think we'd like to pay. Ooh, no. And we don't want you to, we don't want you in the brand at all. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> you were just you? Just, yeah, just, I brought my real self and they said, yeah, that's not what we're looking for. Guy. Should have dressed, you should have dressed it up a little bit more. <laughs> the, uh, ball guy. It was a so big I, Dick Sporting Good thing, right? It was Dick Sporting Good's in-house uh, athletic apparel, right? And I don't think it exists anymore. It doesn't. And it was not very good gear. I did not like it that much, but I wore it. I would wear it. And uh, so they they sent out like a thing of uh, if they wanted some brand ambassadors to come down and work a booth at the 70.3 World Championships, which is in Chattanooga, Tennessee that year. This was probably 2016. And then they like built out this big display that it was basically just like an outdoor CrossFit gym that we just kind of like hung out in. I don't really know what the purpose was at a triathlon, but then Ryan Hall came and he was kind of like the main feature there. And he basically just came there and just like was like lifting weights and no one else could really do much in terms of weights with the ambassadors Like the brand ambassadors were not very good athletes or, or anything really. So I popped in. We did some squats together. We did, I think he, because he, he was just a nut of the hypertrophy. So I think that this workout we did was five rounds of 10 front squats, then directly into 10 back squats. I was sore, but his squats weren't that good. Didn't look great. Yeah. So I agree with you. I don't know what those wall balls would be looking like. And, and I really want to be clear that that's not an insult. I'm not good at high rocks. Not everyone's meant made for that. It's such a specific test of a lot of different things that it's it's just not for everyone. Did you so see we Hunter's see? post recently? No, what was it? He was like, oh, he, he basically was like, I've been thinking a lot. A lot of people have been claiming they're hybrid athletes. Like what actually is a hybrid athlete? You see all these people who run a marathon and can lift heavy weights. So they think they're automatically a hybrid athlete. And he was basically just bringing the topic to the to the front burner that a lot of people have already mentioned i know ryan kent's mentioned in the past where he's like come on come and face me you guys aren't actually hybrid athletes you just like lifting and running but you're not an athlete because you don't compete and i think that that competition part is that was hunter stance there hunter stance was the same as uh, that, Kent's. i'm kind of molding the two with kent and hunter was more of a question for people to chime in on i didn't read enough of the responses but i think that he likely feels the same way it's really stuck in his craw right now I Is got it? a call from him yesterday and he he brought it up on there. Well, people are using it like a marketing term. That was his big thing. Like everywhere I look, every single person is a hybrid coach now. A hybrid fitness coach. He's like, what does it even mean? Like what how how are they all these people jogged a hybrid event once or they lifted and run? Now they they can coach you to do this sport. He's like, how would they even know about the sport? Combining things doesn't make it hybrid. And I agree. I agree with that as well. But I had a good conversation with uh, Jack Driscoll at DECA PA and he's kind of, he leans like his social presence leans more like the hybrid athlete, like Nick bear type, even though he does come out, he participates, he won rally in the Valley. He's doing um Hunter's event. He's a good athlete. And he's a, and he's a dude who will put it out there. He doesn't care. We'll see a lot of these like hybrid quote unquote coaches. 
not showing up to to do these events. Just I think it's because they know they'll get exposed. But Jack's a good dude. He's an Eagle. He's an Eagles fan, so he's a real one. So we like that. But his point was, like, yeah, like maybe that is valid, right? Like these people aren't hybrid athletes in the sense that they're competitors, but their reach is big, and there's more people who are going to want to look good and be able to have cardio fitness than are going to want to do a high rocks. So it's going to cast a wider net and bring people in. And then when people come into these hybrid coaches, it'll and then they find out there's competition for it, it'll funnel down into the actual hybrid racing coaches who would be us, who's Hunter, who's Ryan Kent. And I like, yeah. and that's, that's kind of legit. It's like coming in for like lifting weights and then you find there's a bodybuilding competition. You're not going to use like the same fitness coach. You're going to find a bodybuilding coach. I think they're right. I think a decent chunk will keep the same though. That's the thing. And that affects your bottom line, both of you, Meg, Lauren, or any, anybody who's doing this type of hybrid coaching, I think you're going to, you're going to have the field diluted because some of those low hanging fruit people who get the the quickest Google. They'll start making high rocks plans and they'll be terrible. Yeah, Yeah, sure. That's the hard thing. It's a definition issue again. Like right now, hybrid training is being confused with holistic training. Yeah, there's a difference between training everything and combining and performing at things. And we see the sports side. So we see everything through the sport lens and and they right. just I run, I lift, I do machines. It's not a hybrid athlete. It's hybrid training, but it's really not. It's in a you're still in a bad hybrid exercising. Combining. It's like the early hybrid cars that had uh, a gas engine and an electric engine. And you could like it would switch from one to the other, but they didn't really pair together to make either side of it better like you have an electric engine and then a gas tank that'll take over when you run out and now everything is really fluid like one handles acceleration and then like cylinders can be shut off on the highway and this it's hybrid now and what these people say is hybrid is really just i'm training more than one thing they're just and you were they're not you were dying to get in a car analogy right there no it just comes to it but but what we've realized in this space is there are enough athletes to go around and also bad coaches get found out yeah yeah our bottom line i don't think it does get affected by it you might over the if you took a snapshot of six weeks you might have people turn away from you for someone but if you took a snapshot of six years the people who know what they're doing are going to get the athletes Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's and you guys we, have limited capacity. So it's not like you can take on a hundred new clients, even if they all wanted to, you'd, you'd lose out maybe on like the, the cookie cutter, like the running public training program or rich, if you have your, you know, 12 week program, something, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's where you might lose a, on a little bit, but like the one-on-one you kind of have who you have at that point. I think they'll find it. I think that that is kind of the, kind of the point that, that Jack was making. And I agree with them to a certain extent. Yeah. Like there might be people who are not that serious about, wanting to compete and compete well. And they will be the ones that get like the coaches who have done a mediocre job at a high rocks and didn't share anything about it and don't really care to learn much about it. And then they'll just get mediocre results. But the people who want to get good results. Right. will seek it out. Well, and it's new. So. And what she was at? Hour. What she was at? <laughs> I just threw my phone. I got you just launched it. Get out of crack. It's a new, it's a new sport. 
And so we're getting fired up about something that happens everywhere. If you go on YouTube, there it's full of crackpots claiming that like how to run your fastest 5K or I ran a mile for every every week for a month. And here's what <laughs> I learned. It can happen. The pro coaches don't get their panties up in a bunch about this because they know you you and I don't even do the same thing. Right? Right. You don't affect my, yeah, you're giving out bad information, but who cares? There's a sea of bad information. Well, our sport's new and we're used to being like, there's like 20 or 30 people putting out good information, but it's the only people putting out information. And so when a new face is saying it, it's like, who is this person? They're going to ruin our... No, this is just what happens everywhere. It's just personal to you right now. And athletes who coach are always offended by non-athletes who coach mm-hmm. until they realize you don't have to abandon an athlete to coach well. The problem is, or the issue is that in a new sport, you do. You can't, you, you need to know what it feels like. You're the only no one, people who fully get it yet. Yeah. Like you need to, there needs to be application based off of your experience. Like you could look at an event and take the knowledge that you have and be like, oh, I think that. So therefore here and like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but probably not. With one or yeah. two systems. Yes. Like a good running coach can be a good cyclist coach without any experience because they can program workouts. Right. Systems are systems. You have to do a little reading, like same thing for swimming or mountain running or whatever it's going to be. However, there are too many moving pieces in a true hybrid event to be able to program for it well if you don't have any clue of how it feels. How the race feels and how the training feels, for sure. You have to know both and the load management and different recovery cycles of different machines. Like Even early on, the things you and I were doing are not what we would give out now. No, the only reason is because we felt it for a long time. So early in a sport, you do have to at least try it in order to be able to program well. You don't have to be good at it. You got to be able to feel it. I think you also have to realize who you're competing after for clients at that point. I've got 800,000 lines of data for everybody who's competed in an age group or elite race in Spartan history since the beginning. And it's 80% of people are open waves and the other 20 are competitive or elite and like 5% are elite, 15% are age group. Th- those 20%, those are the ones who are going to realize who's a fraud right away. And then they'll go to guys like you. You might have a little more turnover from the the open as well, where they want to do competitive, even if they're not at the top of the sport. But you'll see people really figure it out pretty quickly, like who's who's real and who's not from the coaching side. And I like that you like brought up the numbers that way. That's one thing that I just try to remind myself. It's like that there's so many people Right. Like I, when I was first getting into like the run coaching thing, there was a race broad street in Philadelphia. It's 40,000 people run this race. A friend of mine was Huge. like, if yeah. you got 1% of these people, that's too many people to know what to do with. And I was like, for sure. Like there's, so there's going to be a lot of people that kind of get into this. So, and like, yeah, they, like they, yeah. It, it, they're just trying to make a living as well. Right. They're hopping on marketing term when this doesn't pan out for them the way that they hope that it's going to. And they find the next thing to glom onto, they'll go there and that's fine. And we'll still be here. It's the difference between a coach for a sport and a fitness trainer. Like these people were fitness trainers. They mm-hmm. did they soul cycle and then they did orange theory and then they did boot camp, and then they did CrossFit, but not labeled CrossFit. And now they're doing hybrid. Like all of those things are good. Like some of those things I could probably use as my sole training purpose and be happy, but they're not sport. And right. so the people in sport 
will outlast all of them, but the people in sport will take it really personally, especially when it's someone like Hunter, who's a world champ. Anyone who claims to be like, I'm the number one hybrid fitness guy on the planet. The world champion of the sport version is going to be furious at that person, especially when it's a mindset like a Hunter. He's going to hate it, and rightfully so. What what would happen? Like, I I would be very curious. Let's say that you went to a High Rocks or a DECA. Let's use DECA as an example because, Rich, you are the reigning DECA Fit world champion. Mm -hmm. You set up two booths. Regardless of recent results. Doesn't matter. Doesn't even matter. Same result leading into it before last year and, you know, came out the champ. But if you had two separate tents and it's like, here's popular influencer over here and here's the actual champion, I wonder what the split of people who would want to go to you. Not, I'm sure after they talked, they'd be like, okay, Rich knows so much more. But if it was just blind, like, oh, here's the person who has 20 times as many followers and they're famous on Instagram, like, do you think more people will go to that person than you that who knows what they're talking about? Like, I'd be curious. I think it's just that they would see them first. You know, it wouldn't necessarily be like a, I don't think they would have like a comparison chart between the two of us because I wouldn't even be seen because of the numbers that the other person has and the way that they've been able to, to create a good business on Instagram solely around volume of people coming in. So I don't necessarily think it's a, who appears to be better. It's who they're going to see. Well, I'm, I meant like if you're, you had booths right next to each other and one of them said reigning DecaFit world champion, the other one says like most subscribed. Oh, there was no numbers? So, no numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't know who you are and it just says those two things. Like how would people do? You can think watch most... it based on their, their apparel. Like the people who walked up in big sunglasses and fabletics and their socks pulled up over their leggings are going to veer to the, the inst the influencer side for and sure. The people in like workout gear are going to veer to the right. And that's 10,000. That's all you need to know about it. And that's who you want anyway. Right. Like the people in, that's true in their like athleisure clothes for competing at that event are not the people who would even last on Rich's training program. And probably not the people he'd want to work with unless they were the person who was ripe to become the other one. And the process Mm -hmm. there is they go to that person and then they out kick it and then they move somewhere else. Just like people start with Hal Higdon's, Mm -hmm. you know, 5k, 10k half marathon plan and then join a run group and then hire a coach. Like it's the same Mm -hmm. progression. We expect that timeframe in running. And we're pissed off about it in hybrid sports because it's new and every new person that comes in feels like it's a battle for their souls. Yeah. And again, just on the consumer side of the thing of it, most people just want to look good and the Instagram famous type of people do look good. So they're selling an aesthetic that they're saying they got because of this training style, which probably is incorrect because they probably did bodybuilding for a long time and now just run. <laughs> They've done 10 years of the the foundation work, but they're selling themselves as like even like someone like a, like a Nick Bear who I don't really know much about what his methodology is, but he looks yoked, dude. He looks like lean too, not too crazy. He just like is what you'd want to kind of look like. But as a competitor, probably he hasn't, it probably doesn't translate at all. But he's selling the aesthetic. He's bodybuilder for a long time, and then he picked up seventy mile week running to right. do marathons. Like that's what it looks like. It, it's always interesting because you can pick people out of a lineup if you're a competitive athlete or if you're an aesthetic person. Even athletic people 
who don't train for a sport, you just build your mass differently. It goes mm. to different places differently. Mm. And, and there's a sect of the population that wants the athletic muscle look. And there's a sect that wants the bodybuilder cardio component look. And again, they're going to find who they find. It's just going to piss off the world champs and the people making their living doing it in the meantime. Right. Do you guys right. ever? No, I was going to say like that. That's an interesting thing. Like that. It's just like how there's like cyclical trends around fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like that with a body aesthetic, right? What in, in terms of aesthetic is yeah. like a strong, but lean look that, you know, hybrid athletes who are racing in these fitness events also kind of have as a byproduct or like CrossFitters, right? They look awesome. They're a little right. bit more jacked, but like because of the byproduct of being an athlete. So it's just what people like to look at right now. And you can look yeah, at them right. and see where their, their wasted energy is going to go. Like you just don't see these massive shoulder trap peck, like the hanging over bulbous peck on an athlete who can work for longer than five or 10 minutes. You don't right. see it. Even the CrossFit guys with massive chest and shoulders, it's a useful mat. It, it just looks different and you can see it. But the Instagram consumer doesn't notice that body type. And so they go to the most impressive look rather than the most useful look. But again, like that's the process. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys ever watch like a physical competition show and instantly you just judge you're like that guy's going to blow up like no way he'll do mm-hmm. well. Like I, I do that every single time that I see like some huge muscle person. I'm like, they're not going to win. There's no way. And there was the show uh, physical 100 on Netflix. Physical 100. And yes. That, that was an, did you see that? Is that worth a watch? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. It starts off so good. It's bad. <laughs> and yep. then it turns actually interesting. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, so bad. It's good. I was like, oh, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen something. <laughs> it starts off yeah. like the first episode. They introduce every person, literally 100 people at a time where they would show like the highlights in the normal game show and then cycle more people in. It just keeps going, but it's all dubbed over voices to American to America. Oh, I do subtitles with the PK. We had it on to go at the bed, man. I'm struggling today, but then it it turns into a legit competition. But then towards the end, it's like Olympic cyclist, Olympic uh, bobsledder, lewd, like all the people who had trained function and then got into bodybuilding could still use stuff, but the legit bodybuilders just couldn't go. It was strong. They had one to some, they had one thing where bodybuilders, yeah, they had one thing where it was like, all right, everybody hang on. All you have to do is a dead hang. And whoever we're going to eliminate 50 people right now. And if you fall wow. off, you're screwed. And every single like muscle person, they're losing to the rock climbers. They're losing the CrossFitters, just the runner. Like, it doesn't matter that those people are just functionally not there. So it was, it was very interesting. You could stay on any way you wanted. You could, yeah. you could like anything you wanted to do chicken wing uh, yeah but the, didn't the nasty double elbow support oh that was nasty yeah worth watching I'll Lisa and i look. binged it after crossfit i mean after uh high rocks chicago last year oh nice, nice. you guys book your tickets yet you signed up no but we should we'll sign talk up about today. that after. i think there's a sale going on yeah. jack labor day sale heck yeah that's all over you it know, i like my sales yeah you should be like the points guy but for hybrid events, like putting up, putting out what all the discounts are. It could be like what B- you guy. guys can have a collaborative site. BK gives all the chew deals and you do all the yeah. event deals. 
I'll, I'll tell I you how to travel. Get kickbacks yeah. from all the shoe links I put out there. Into the you universe. put out some shoe links. What's the deal of the day? What's the deal of the week? What's the most recent one you've seen? I don't know what the best I've seen recently. But the, the the most astounding was the one I sent your way, the RC Elite Ones. There's a stock on Dick's. <laughs> Dick's Sporting Goods have had the last RC Elite Ones for like two years now. Uh, uh, probably the Rebel 3s are down to like 60 bucks some places. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I might need to grab. That means the Joe's coming? New Balance Outlet. Check that mm. one out. Rebel 3s. I want to say 60 bucks. Because if the 4s are coming, they, get, uh, they probably won't fix too much. They just got to fix the sizing. The sizing in the 3s were short mm. very short I'm almost always like the last model i'll uh, whenever they come out with the new one and then start discounting their old one that's when i start swooping in and getting some shoes i like the new stuff though i like to be on i like the new new the sparkly talk toy. about it yeah see what's <laughs> good on the innovation the endorphin pro threes oh you did yeah th- 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 that's that's not sparkly but to me it's sparkly well when you had the twos what do you think well I think they're made for me. Oh, nice. Really? Because the the ones and twos were made for me, but they're just too stiff and harsh to do too much in them. Not very super. They're not super, but they were, they were made for my stride. These are everything I wanted from the next version. They actually did it. You found your shoe. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Kent has the... For our doubles. You could, you have to. Kent just got the... Takumi Sen 9, mm. they're the exact same as the 8. Like they did something to the upper. The upper is different. The upper is different. Yeah. I think it's just same like a little less, same exact, yeah. He likes them. I mean, I like the 8. I think the 8 are great. Yeah. Not they a did like one. two or three more mil, so they could just get a little bit of fle- more curve to those rods. I think it's the perfect shape. We got to fix that bottom, dude. The bottom great for everything but hybrid. I, yeah. Okay, so here's the last thing. I want to take a Dremel and just put lines, like a grid line into it. You think that'd be enough? Jack has a Dremel. I have a I Dremel. I think you should try. Because uh, well, 8s should be on sale now. Have you seen the 8s on sale? Mm, I mean, they've been on sale for a long time. You should grab some. I have a very new pair here. But but are they for like... I, I don't want to ruin mine because I like them. But if you just put lines into them, would that be enough for for dusty traction? Do you think? It'd be better. It's just like it's tires. Material. Like what, Jack? What about tires? Oh, I was like, it's no different than like cutting, like having extra gaps in tires and stuff. It's going to give you a little better traction. You'd think. You guys want to talk about High Rocks Dubai? Yeah. This this is the part of the show where Rich says, you know, we didn't have a whole lot to talk about, and then goes into it. I think I think they I think they knew since we started off with the the fifty beers and fifty pizza slices. Usually sits at ninety nine percent since we've gone to this. Mine's seventy nine, ninety one percent. Now it's down to seventy two. It's just yeah, it's taking a minute. We're all good today. We're all good. I think you need to look at your soil outside. Soil is pristine. Yeah. Perfect soil settle rates for good internet connection. High Rocks Dubai happened first. High Rocks race in the Middle East. Ryan Kent went over there. Lauren Weeks went over there. Mikhail Norman went over there, and it was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good show. Ryan Kent run fifty nine flat. Uh, 
I don't have the results up here in front of me. Jordan, um, Jack, you got his last name for me? I don't. I'll look it up. He's a UK athlete. Jordan, um, this is not Michael. This is not good. Definitely not Jordan Michael. Um, Jordan Jordan Bryant, who did come over to the U.S. for the North American Championships last year, and then Michael Lug Luge from Great Britain as well uh, was 64-21 to round out the top three. So our guy Ryan Kent went over there to care of business. What is fifty nine flat going to do for him? Literally nothing. Yeah. They paid out for this race. He went over there, took a win. I mean, he's already qualified for all of the majors, so he doesn't need a time at all. He could have run 62. That's true. He could have run 62, um, 26 and accomplished the mission that he needed to accomplish while he's going over there. And with it, where he was in training, he wasn't, he's like, he wasn't geared up for this. It was like kind of impromptu really. So coming away, being 59 flat with, with five minutes on the wall balls. Like, so right there, it's like, all right, if he, if he cared a little bit more, you know, he's like probably closer to 58 flat, you know, did you see how fast they went out? He was telling me they went crazy. He went 324 on his thousand ski erg and came out in third. Those people just just the machine time, right? They're they're racing incorrect. I I thought that's his zone. Maybe it is his machine time. Regardless, 142s for almost for three and a half minutes and then that's your opener that's a that, that's preparing you for a harder race later on so Th- those guys must have been doing 10k plus a day on that thing for maybe two weeks yeah i think it was uh yeah i think it was one of the brits and then i think it was uh one of the local guys uh muhammad lahirb Leh- oh he he did spartan race world champs mm-hmm. oh really yeah yeah who drafted him holly bracken he, he, Muhammad had, he's always like, oh, I remember this guy. Yeah. He, uh, I've seen his name before. Like, BK with the usual. classic last year. He's like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to only draft Middle Eastern. And he had another one too. I forget. And then he just like drafted someone from Spain <laughs> that yeah. sounded like they are from the Middle East. Um, I think I said only <laughs> countries that have been sanctioned for doping issues. <laughs> that's a safe bet. That's that's the way you it's should. Middle be. East and like Russia and things like that. Is what I was <laughs> yeah. Um, so Muhammad had several penalties. He went in the out or out the in, which we've talked about several before. Times. And then he ran one ex one few lap, one lap too little, going into the sled pull. Um, so he ended up. A, he was the second person to cross line. If you did watch the race, but he ended up with a sixty-five oh five. So I have a question for you about your comment about Kent, where wasn't really training for this, kind of impromptu. We've seen in OCR, we've seen in running events, uh, what you can do in the middle of a training block or an alternative training block that you can you can do pretty well. Sometimes better, sometimes like you can perform at like 90 to 95% capacity in a random stage of training. What do you think that is for high rocks? Is there a bigger disparity between your general training shape versus my preparing for an event shape? Does it mm. all have to come together for high rocks much more than it has to for a different version of a of a less hybrid style of, of, of event? I would say that you could probably perform fairly well off of like your generalized training. I'm not sure how dialed in people are to be as prepared as possible for that one event. 
because we're still trying to figure it out. Hunter obviously does it the best, you know, mm -hmm. but I think most people, as long as they're aerobically prepared and muscularly prepared, can kind of perform pretty close to what they're capable of most of the time. I think two two specific examples, like Rich, what happened to you in Philadelphia right there? I know that's DECA. I feel like DECA might be harder to pop a good race without some specificity due to a little higher intensity. You can kind of grind it out and you're, you're running... 10 15 seconds slower a mile for uh high rocks what like realistically mm -hmm. um and i i think you might be rusty on the wall balls like you said ryan ken was five minutes i don't know if lauren or michaela went unbroken on theirs um but i'm sure i feel did. like that could be they probably did but that could be like you know your first half of the race as long as the sleds aren't brutal like you can kind of fake it but i feel like the stay power at the end might be if you're not in a specific high rocks block that's where you start fading the 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 way i always pose it right a marathon versus a 5k that same question back to you bk like what would you think like generalized training which one do you think you get closer to your ceiling in i i think probably the same percent of your ceiling but the marathon if it goes wrong it goes worse <laughs> yeah like if you crack in a 5k, you might crack for a mile. Yeah. Cracking a marathon, you might walk or cramp. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's high rocks where if you're ready for everything, except one thing, that one thing could add five minutes to your race by destroying you. Yeah. I would say that's fair. So I think Kent is in a place where it's just kind of like in a build, a building phase, the bat and it didn't fall apart till the back end. till the last two stations weren't, I mean, his lunges were, mediocre uh especially for him they're probably not great for him but mediocre in terms of just like in general is like three mid where he could be when he's like fit fit would be three flat and when he's fit fit for wall balls it's closer to four flat so yeah he had like 90 seconds of just time not being prepared enough like those last couple miles like the last 10k of a, mm -hmm. of a marathon let's not forget he flew over definitely was jet lagged this is a five-day trip probably got terrible sleep like he still put out yeah same as lauren good. like <laughs> yeah i was impressed by how he how he, how he performed here 59 flat's a good place for this i don't know if you guys have heard but i've competed in the middle east when oh against what was uh was a uh then a future world champion in the same race as you yep. what yeah. Yeah, he was in the same race as me. Yes, it's true. And, and every, at that time, it might have been the case. Yeah. Every rhythm breaker or every arduous task was amplified, what it did to you. And so by the way I felt over there, like my flat running felt pretty good. My descending felt pretty good. The climbing felt pretty good. It's when I had to do something above and beyond on top of that, that it really dinged me. That's all High Rocks is. A, a hybrid event would be very difficult to do sleep deprived and, and, and jet lagged and all out of sorts. Mm -hmm. He did it on a really what day three. Together Thursday. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough time frame right there. That's a tough time because if you, if you can hit the ground and start sleeping by day three, you can do a little bit better. But if you hit the ground and start falling apart, like you can't get on your rhythm. This is how my second time there was. 
I, I couldn't find a rhythm and every day snowballed into the next, getting more frustrated. That's really hard to deal with. So mm. I think a high rocks would be one of the toughest events to do in his situation. So shouts to him taking care of business. No other real shakeups. Did you see that they have now a, a, a major, a high rocks, major board. We can look at that after just no. to see where everybody is. Uh, let's talk about the women's race. One other, I didn't. Go ahead, one Jack. other thing on Kent, I th- I thought he mentioned that they added weight for the sled because it was too easy. Was that true? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought he mentioned that. I thought yeah. I thought he did mention that as well. I did talk to him for a while, and uh, he didn't he didn't make mention of that. He said it felt hard, it felt heavy, but his time was like forty seconds faster than it has been. Like his PR was from Houston, I think his sled push was three fifteen when he ran fifty six. High. And if you do 315 on a Europe course, you're coming out of there like last. So he was 222. So he's still like, oh, it felt hard. It's like, well, yeah, he pushed it fast. <laughs> so it did last feel hard, day, but you yeah. were still, you After still put. 324. <laughs> exactly. Right. So like it, it ran how typical European courses would run, in my opinion. And the sled pull, they had the regular ropes, not this, those black synthetic stretchy ass ropes, mm. like the regular climbing rope with that wood type of compound. Doesn't stretch, just pull it and it moves. Yeah. Counting on that for Spain. I'm going to need that rope. Uh, yeah. That's shaving time right there. It's huge. It's so, it's so it, like it's newer sleds huge. with a freaking brown rope. Yeah. Everything you put into it, you get back. Yeah. Like that's the goal of super shoes is to get more return on what you put in less lost those nylon ropes. You just lose so much of every effort that it's tough. I have never done a high rocks without 25 meter nylon ropes. So this it's going to be a game changer once I give it a shot. (laughs) We need, we need that, but apparently they like the way that the, the black ropes look. They don't want the, The black rubs do look better. Is it better for the sport? No. But what a, what does Hyrax care? About? What does Hyrax care about that? You, you know, you can get different colored hemp ropes, or what? What would they be considered? I don't know. Can you? What's that? What's that? The term for that? I'm I'm blanking on it. Hemp? I don't think it's hemp. I think it, no, it's not hemp, but it's uh, woolen jute. Oh. Jute. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anyway, that's what we used uh, back in the day for in gymnastics. There were ropes hanging in every gym everywhere, and they were all different colors. Most of them were that Manila style, but mm-hmm. they had white ones, they had black ones. You can get you can get colored versions. They just cost more. Mm, that ain't happening either. That definitely happens. It says material type is Manila, is what it says on the uh, on the Rogue website. Thanks, Rogue. Philippines just freaking Rogue in their shipping. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out on rope. I'm all in on rep. Rep does free shipping. Titan does enough. I like Titan Fitness. Do you? Yeah. Rep's based out of Colorado. Colorado also, yeah. I just got a new kettlebell. Got Did you? two now. I can How do heavy? farmer's carries. Big one? Nah, I had a 50, so I just got another 50. Did you get it just off on, uh, Marketplace or something? Rips. No, brand new. Walmart had it for 40 seven dollars what dollar a pound that's good under a dollar a pound yeah. brand new that's crazy it's, it's it's always like a a factory extra where it's like a little 
misshapen or something or like a half pound off. I don't care. I just attached my 10 pound ankle weights to it. Now I got myself a 60 on each side. Plus I look cool. <laughs> That's that move, dude. I was looking at farmer's handles to try to overload something. I saw some on Mark. Handles. You do? Titan. Nice. They're just like a little bit more than I want. They're only like, like 125 to 150 bucks. It's like, oh this, yeah, I got a sale. I got them for 90. It's like a little bit more than I want to spend on. Rich, just do fat grips. All you need is a bigger diameter. Yeah. Yeah, but there's like that structural component. I I know. I'm just speaking out of an area of expertise on farmer's carry. We're talking to the best in the world here. Rich, when next time you're in town, I'll send you my farmer handles back home with you. You don't want them? I haven't been using them as much as I thought. Load up. We'll get ready for strongman stuff. So let's talk about strongman inspiration. Yeah. Check what Eddie Hall uses. You know, I might try to win world's toughest. I mean, world's toughest, (laughs) world's strongest man. Do both. Same year. It's all going to be because of those farmer's handles. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'd be happy you had him. I had a yoke for a minute here, but it just wasn't practical for, oh, you got to use it as a squat rack and it just wasn't a very good squat rack. And I was like, oh, this isn't taking it. I'm not, I'm never going to use this thing as an actual yoke. So yeah. Actually, yesterday for uh dumbbell bench and flies you used what my my farmer's handles oh i thought it's a yoke the only way i could get anything loaded up like that and it was it was uncomfortable and it was like against my forearms you were doing 50 pounds for flies with a kettlebell no bench fly like that Oh, combo where you go out to the okay, side yeah. and bring it up in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. That's and actually, I was doing 67 and a half because they weigh 66 and a half. They're 11 That's heavy. pounds each. That's heavy for that. Yeah. I was lifting for vanity yesterday. Yeah. Dude, he's put out your hybrid program. Your aesthetic is gorgeous. We need we need some more shirtless stuff. We need to pump. Dude, post a, pump post needs a to be couple real. of the pump pictures, Bracken. You're going to get some size. Yeah. Got that Yoked pump. beast. That's- Tell you what, I'm going to race shirtless with Jack. We're going to get huge bumps going during the race. We're going to have a race brain outfit right there. We're going to have a. It's going to be the paleness will be. You'll be. You'll be. That'll be the easiest way to identify you, even if you wore like a pink race brain shirt. Just both you guys shirtless, just white. I could have strobes on mine, and I'd still be identified, not because of the strobes. (laughs) Nice. Correct. So looks like Lauren Weeks. Did you guys catch this? Catch the women's race at all? No, I didn't watch either of them. I, I've I caught like the literally the wall balls for Kent, um, but I guess they did not do a good job with the women's coverage or something happened there. But it looked like a race, man. It really did. Fifty nine twenty seven for for Lauren, sixty thirty five for Michaela Norman. These are Michaela. These are really good times. These are really good times. Lauren almost beat Ryan. Like that, <laughs> that showed you for so sure. Two or three times sub 60 now. This is her second time. Cause this two. would, yeah, sure. First time she did it on the grid in Manchester, which is crazy. She was like 60, 11 or something before, like really close to it, but didn't, didn't have so it. Third fastest time of all time. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, Meg was, yes. Meg, I don't think it was this fast at, Meg was also under 60, right? In Manchester? I I think she was at Hyrox Worlds. Maybe maybe she wasn't. She She wasn't very far behind. Yeah, 59, 51. Oh, no, no. 51, okay. No, no, I'm sorry. 60, 23. Okay, I'm sorry. This is ahead. 
They had Lauren in there twice. Yeah, but, but she so Meg doesn't have something in the fifty nines. She only has the only fifty eights. Only fifty eights. Craziness, craziness. So it looks like Lauren went out and kind of did her thing. Uh, I'm I'm guessing. Let's pull up these splits real quick. We'll take a look at how she did, how she took care of business here, because her back end she does go unbroken on the wall balls, and her back end on like the lunges were okay, but it didn't seem incredible. It looks like. She did go unbroken on her um, farmers, which is always we're not. Uh, what was her split on that? Because that's always her like Achilles heel. One thirty. Okay, that's that's solid. That's probably unbroken. I would imagine yep. that's unbroken. Let's at take a look at her run. Maybe like a two second drop to change directions or something. But yeah, that's essentially unbroken. She just hits that second run really. She just goes out hard. <laughs> Three forty nine after the ski. <laughs> this is how Hunter races, you know. Like Hunter will run hard after ski after the sled push and after sled pull and then like see where he's at and he can sometimes carry it through and sometimes he falls apart most of the time he carries it through and lauren's kind of in that vein as well like you could see her slowest run was at the burpee broad jumps it's a 410 and then she kind of gained it back after the row that's interesting because if you look at deca most people are not going faster after the row that one usually saps a little bit and i know that it's people naturally slowing down because the first lap is really hot. But if you look at the rest of the race, row is where people end up slow in a couple seconds. So for her to shave, what's that, seven seconds off of her previous run after the row, that's that's pretty impressive. A thousand meter row is enough time to actually, I feel like, is enough time to recover in a high rocks by not getting to going out. Little lower, effort. like you're still putting out, but you're putting out a thousand meter effort instead of 500, where you can kind of tip over a little bit. If I think you're if, good at rowing, if you're good at rowing, yes, if you're good at rowing, so like you can lose five to six seconds, say, on the row and come off of it feeling kind of better. Hmm, her row is fast though. <laughs> that's <laughs> including try to find transition it. time, yeah, yeah, that's pretty fast. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, four, that's going one fifty eight to two flat yeah. the whole time. Uh huh. I'm trying to find if there's a good one. It's hard to tell what these world championship splits what they're like because of because of the rock zone. The rock zone was was incorrect. Was weird. Well, it was if just you different look, that day. Look on the right, right there. So you've got your row in seven seconds, row out. So maybe you assume seven seconds again. Yeah. On the other side, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on how it's set up. Yeah. Depends on how it's set up. They make it tricky. But yeah, I mean, this is oh, a big yeah. time this is a big time race this early. Lauren kind of strikes me as someone who's just going to be fit and just gonna take it. He's just gonna go after it no matter what. Yeah. So she is the example of someone that can race in any stage of training or training for anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. For her fitness true. is seems it seems fitness is fitness. She only has to shore up weaknesses like she did with farmers carry. Mm. And like sled pull, she's done that yeah. in the back in the day, where that was a place that she would just lose ground. Where and were they now, at? Like halfway through the race, what's the gap? Because it looks like she won by a minute eight over Michaela. Like how close were they halfway through? I'm gonna see early. Let's see how much. But she, oh, she was close. Uh, or no, Michaela's here. Two seconds. So yeah, not a ton. Claire Thomas. This is a um more or less an influencer type. She was a heptathlete at Oregon. So she was a really oh, wow. good 
high level athlete there. And I think she was like multiple times state champ in the hurdles in, in Oregon as well. And then went to, then was a duck, um, has like a million plus followers on Instagram. Now went out a little bit too hard. Didn't realize, didn't realize who she was going out with. Um, so rocks out. She put Lauren, but 11 seconds on Michaela there. Let's see where she was after the sled push a minute up 54 second seconds up. Just this, held it. They expanded it. And then no, no, no. The rest of the race is oh, like, the rest of the race. Yeah. Like, where'd you want to see at three stations? We said her slowest run was after burpee broad jumps. So yeah, but still putting on time. Minute yeah. one right there. Yeah. It's just a second or two. Everything. The rest of the race. Yep. This is exactly how Hunter races. This is exactly what Hunter did at the world championships. Just like put a gap on, held it. And then things got things closed as it got later, but it was already, it was already over. But, but you have to like, who has the fitness to do that often? Like exactly. You have a couple people on the planet that it would work for anybody else who tries that strategy. They're blowing up. Right. That's, that's discouraging. Some new names <laughs> here though. What's that? Some new names that we haven't been seeing as much of. Yeah, test toll the, from the from the UAE. Uh, just toll, yeah. Just toll. We mentioned her and she she won a Deca fit that they had over there, and she, I think she was in the teens at Spartan Worlds last year or a couple years ago, and she's got a number of Spartan podiums as well. Really, definitely leans on the strong side, so I'm not surprised to see her put up a solid mark in High Rocks. So this is and seeing Michaela do this well is I think when. This is close to her PR. Like the race that she set the PR or set the world record in, it was oh, it was not under sixty when she broke when she broke the world record. So for her to come out after a, a incredibly long break, right? Like she was almost doing shoes. nothing for like, yeah. This is a PR for her. She was sixty forty five when she broke the world record. And in this day and age, whenever you have an extended sickness. The question always becomes, are you going to be the same afterwards? Uh-huh. Yeah. There's just too many side effects and ramifications of illnesses post-pandemic that seeing her back down in 6035, which, what, a year ago today would have been the world record? Yep. Yep, 100%. Just really good sign for her, which is a good sign then for the sport. Yeah. Very good sign for this. Because that was the whole... The excitement was so high last year with her emergence and with Meg's emergence with what we've seen Lauren Weeks be able to do time and time again. They were like, oh, my yeah. God, now there's three of them. And there's going to be at least that many this year. Vivian stepping up. Two mm-hmm. great people is always a fantastic dynamic for any sport. That's enough to make it a, a great era like Celtics, Lakers, anything like that is great. But the third person ensures that there's never a bad race. Like two's enough for the right. narrative, but the third means that if someone's not there or it's off or like there aren't blowouts as much anymore, the third person is needed for never a dull moment. If you look at OCR in like 2016, 2017, you had five or six guys. You had Hobie, Cody, Killian, Hunter, Hines. Yeah, bracket. There we go. Um, oh, but you, you for sure had like five people who were on a different level, and yeah, the Fab Five on the women's side with Faye, Nicole, Lindsay, Alyssa, and Rhea. Like you just knew who it was going to be. We're not quite at five in High Rocks yet, and the men's it's 
not super interesting at the top because Hunter usually is able to separate pretty easy. Yeah. But that gap is closing. Like, and you, I think we're going to have it. I could see it turning into something like what OCR has uh, 2021, where you just had a different champion every single race. You had like Lars do it in um, mm. Blue Mountain. You had uh, Hawk in Utah, Ryland crushing it in Kelowna. You just had variety. And I could, I hope that we get to that point pretty soon with High Rocks where. It's not just, I'm just fitter and good luck facing me. Cause then it turns into Usain Bolt in track and field where it's like, well, you know who's going to win? Yeah, we want to see them. We're pumped. It's very exciting, but like there's no storyline. There's no drama that, that goes into it. It's just, will they set a world record or not? That's kind of what it comes down to. The question then becomes who's next? Who's the next person that can challenge for it? Great question. And I, and I think that I'm always disappointed this year that Ryland has kind of been taken from us mm. because I've believed that in just raw ability, he's the person that could come off of sleds with Hunter. He could come off skier at least pushing Hunter and in a happy place. Not many people can make that choice. Some people could come off skier ahead of Hunter, but they're not in a happy place. That is Ryland's happy place. And he hadn't really put in the strong work that would be required to dominate a sled. I just feel like he had a ceiling there that I'd like to see fulfilled. So since he's kind of out of the equation, who do you think is next up that could be the person? Is it still a Kent? Is it an American? Or let's have a look at that. Or Sandy? Is it you? Like who's sitting here that you think is most likely to make that jump to, to make it a two or three person race? Nick Bear. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how many. Uh, there's a lot of hybrid coaches out there who are uh, who got to see put up, and maybe they're the next one. But like, yeah, like, well, let's let's narrow that down even further, as opposed to just be like, what are what are the chances of uh, an existing athlete and just saying a name? Like, what kind of athlete would need to challenge someone like Hunter? Is it going to have to be Hunter 2.0, someone who is big and can also run? Is it going to be, or is it going to be someone who can? Manage his stations and outrun him. I don't think we're going to see many people outstation him and be able to maintain some kind of like, like, like the Ricky Garrard high rocks method in Sydney, right? Stations were unbelievable, but he couldn't run well enough to maintain his advantage over James Kelly and even over Chris Woolley, who ended up uh, just. 5927 in 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 Melbourne yeah. but in Sydney he was ahead of him yeah. going into wall balls and Ricky and it wasn't a big enough gap so Ricky was able to do that to the majority of the field but I can't see anybody doing that to to Hunter like how good can you be at these stations we're, you know? we're kind of already eliminated that CrossFit Games athletes I don't think if they're in their CrossFit Games build they're, they they won't be able to I mean maybe maybe some happen. maybe maybe somebody can get on and hold 132s on a ski and a but row. Eight seconds there gonna, you know, that's not gonna matter over the course of the race. You need to be able to run. The, yeah. I look at this list and I and Ricky see, ran well enough though. I know, yeah, adequate. Like if Ricky wants to drop down to 190 or 185 pounds, like maybe it'll work out for him. But I think he's too heavy and the running's just too high level at this point. I'm looking at this list. You got Tim under the age of 24 and Graham Holiday who he debuted under 60 minutes or he was in the high 58s i thought and uh, he didn't debut he had a 2022 where he was like 69 minutes he just saw oh, okay. a crazy amount of improvement got okay well well bottom line like he had 
clearly a high ceiling um after that debut we just didn't see the potential yet um but i see a couple guys like them they're gonna need a few years of practicing this as long as high rocks says here's zone one here's zone two we're gonna keep it a thousand like if it's an identical course you know exactly the test that you're training towards i feel like people who have age on their side they're the only ones who have the potential how dare you it's still gonna be a, a, a tough battle i disagree only because i have to because you're going to Europe soon. Because I'm old. Hunter's a yeah. tougher to ever beat. Now, we, we do still have the stat that he's never won a race that he was not leading by the end of burpee broad jumps. So to beat like Hunter's beatable if he knows he's being beat. <laughs> if he's not in good shape. <laughs> yeah. But if he knows he's winning, he's not beatable. Yeah. You're, to your point, he has, the person to beat him has to be able to machine and run. Has to. And so it's almost like, who who do we know of? In the world, if we just took Hyrox aside and just thought of athletes, who in the world can match his running and his functional power output? He's like, he's just one of the freakiest people we've known. Ken's close, but I I think it takes this. I mean, Tim, Tim is the answer based off age. But I think it takes someone not in the sport. I don't think the answer is in the sport of someone who can be a week in, week out. Kent yeah. can do it. He's yeah. done it. He'll he'll do it again. But the week in, week out, it's not there. If you have a two flat sled or a two fifteen sled situation, it's like now his he doesn't have that bullet in his chamber. Like everyone else is clearly not going to be as fatigued because it's a fast sled that day. I think in an event like that, definitely beatable especially if his run isn't on but hunter often has the fastest run splits as well so it's Mm. like what do you get what are you going to do about that so this is like i'm looking at this list and for the most part i feel like a lot of these athletes are the same like not incredibly strong runners really good at stations and like tough right and can just like deal with it outside of like tobias probably fits into a different category as more of a runner magita even though he has like the build of someone who would hammer stations he's more of like a runner runner type right he likes to be in control come from behind and 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 make his way up but the problem with those two is that they don't station as well as hunter they might be able to run better or as good as him so let me scroll down when he and magita when he runs well he doesn't go out like hunter so he's he's gonna place well if he runs a good race but he'll never be ahead of hunter because when he goes out fast it just because the station the stations him. aren't as good yeah right. where I think if the sc- unconventional answer is dylan scott hmm. i think that because he's going to build his power and size so slowly because of his volume and his training methodology i don't think he'll lose any amount of his running and machines as he goes up in weight and so he's the person that could arrive at a point where he's not overworking to work with Hunter on the front half. He could arrive at that point. But right. even going back to Hunter's debut race, Spartan race, where I watched and I watched him against Hobie there, he had freakish natural ability for work rates, especially while really fatigued. He can just keep going to the well and just exist in that over, under, over, under redlining. And that skill alone, you have to pair with his engine and his power. Just, I don't know where that exists. Dylan's an interesting answer. Like, uh, how different is his frame from Toby? I've never been in person with Toby, but like taller, leaner athlete. 
I think Dylan's a little taller, a little bit leaner, yeah. but I mean, Toby's not like, he's not like a Ryan Kent build, you know, he's yeah. like, so like a VJ kind of, I don't think he's as tall as VJ, but just like, yeah, maybe like, but like the way that the way that his muscle lays on him, he's a little bit of an outlier closer to like how Dylan is. How, how about a guy like VJ? Now that we think about it, like we haven't seen what he can do and can run with anybody. It's going to take him like a year plus to figure out high rocks realistically, at least like get his times down to respectable. Cause everyone gets punched in the face their first time. But in terms of ceiling, like what has VJ not excelled in? Rich would know the better than either yeah. of us, but the fact that he can move well through Deca mm-hmm. means he has a theoretical ability to move well through high rocks. Oh, no doubt. It's just going to be a matter of time. And like, he's probably like, I would imagine we've talked about it too much. I would imagine he would race uh high rocks the way Tobias races and the way like Magida races is that he's going to need to, to, to manage. And he's so good at managing. Yeah. And it's what he does for basically everything. You know, we see him be aggressive in like three Ks because he knows it's what he has to do to be where he wants to be at the finish line. But he's really dialed in, right? Like he knows how he's going to. So he knows how much he can put out. So he'd have to really improve that front end fitness to to be able to to handle someone like Hunter. And I think that that's it's on the table, right? Just when. Do you see evidence in his machine work that he can be? special on those it's interesting because he hasn't spent a ton of time on them and he's improving on them through his capacity and other work he hates machines he's telling that's that's like a sign of special that's good (laughs) he has i mean he has a frame he's tall uh he knows how to move his body so he can put out power in specific places just a matter of like raising that ceiling getting a little more, more more familiar getting getting him to be a little bit more powerful so yeah, I think he would be able to, uh, like he wouldn't be behind necessarily once he's supposed to spend time on it. Like like Tim Tim Finish, he's not like a very impressive physical specimen, but he can put out on those machines for sure. Mm-hmm. If VJ, oh. if he had let's say you gave him s- Chicago, he's going to do. He's got what would Dallas. that put him at? How many ten weeks? What are we something like that? I think you, I think Dallas is what it's looking like. It's just the next weekend, so yeah, I'll say ten weeks. Oh, is he going to do Dallas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think he can open up at? Um, what's that Riker line? 65? 62? 62 mid? I was going to say 61, 62. That's my guess. So if you take him and his frame and you think he can be a 62 now, then yeah, he's a potential guy. Hmm? Let's just look at VJ though. He he has that hunter mentality where he will obsess over beating someone, just like Hunter did, uh, trying to finally catch Hobie. And I I feel like this is just a checkbox that VJ has not done yet. Like he wants to be the best in their prime. He never got the opportunity to face Hunter when he was in OCR when when VJ was above the age of like sixteen. Um, and then same deal with Alvin, like he never got to do that. And he says that those are two of his regrets that like, he just didn't have the opportunity to, to do that due to his age at the time. And now Hunter is the man he's not past his prime. He just needs to stick around for another year or two to have VJ get a shot. And I think VJ is going to improve exponentially in the meantime. What about someone like a Sean Roberts? Not necessarily Sean Roberts. I don't think that I could see him moving into this direction. But like someone who has 
or an ass, right? Someone who has the incredible running ability, but also spending time to learn how to put out on on machines and sleds and things like that. Like, I honestly think that, that I think that's what it's going to take too. Yeah. Again, I've referenced him already this episode, but Matt Gross, six three, set age group records at one sixty five. He's up to one eighty, one eighty five now, and he's going to do Chicago, but he's forty three years old. Mm-hmm. He's a four flat miler athletic. This is the kind of guy and, you know, held one fifty six or something for a half marathon on the skier. That's the type of person that if he's 33 instead of 43 or 23, right, right. That that's, that's the skill set it's going to take. You have to come in with a, a next level engine. Yeah. Another, another guy, look at number 17 on the list, Gabe Heck, right. Only done one. He's like six, five, six, six, no issues moving weight right there. Even though he's like a, a leaner guy and he's a 14 something 5k PR. He's someone that I think could really be yeah, a, a problem or what's your boy's name? Marcus Wallace. Seb, well, Seb Atkinson. Seb. Good, yes, correct answer though. Seb because, game. Yeah. Yeah. Seb's, Seb would be a good one too. If he like cares to do it. Yeah. He did one. He's just a freak. He'll just show up and do well. And Marcus was what? 48 seconds in a 400 in high school. Was he under 49? 48, 49. Either way or open. Regardless. Relay, I believe. Oh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Either way, like, it, it's a little too short. Almost. Legit. Yeah. But, but you need someone with a running ped, an engine pedigree. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So the ha- they have the major lists. What are they calling this? Major qualification rankings up on the high rock site where they had the elite 15 rankings before. So if you're interested, you can go and click around through that, see who the top 15 athletes will be who are first invited to the first major in Chicago, which again, we said is like eight weeks. I think there's probably, I don't know, a hundred races in Europe before our first race in Chicago. So we're not exactly sure how it's going to shake up, but right now you can take a look and see how that's all playing out on. I think if you're, if you're in the high teens, low twenties on the women's side, you have a, pretty good chance of racing in sweden realistically in sweden or look, sweden not not chicago i'm just skipping forward a race but just look at all the u.s names who are probably going to end up doing deca like yeah just my gut i hope it, uh, any word if bell mcfarland's going to do deca orlando i don't i don't know i can i'll talk with the nc to get the seeds and stuff but i didn't see her on the list before should, i know meg is he should meg is going going to yeah for sure yeah. but uh yeah she definitely should you definitely should. And then on the men's end, I'm sitting at 20th. Think that would get think that get me in like right now. Do you think I'd be in now without yes. the without? The, you think so? But it's going to be like think, a Jack Bauer yeah. entry. Yeah. You think five people won't come? We're not sure what Hunter's going to do. That that guy in 18, Ruben uh, from Spain, same deal. He's one spot ahead of me in uh, Deca, so I'm <laughs> I'm counting on him to to skip that race also i think hunter will go different do you different we've heard different things hunter says things right so i don't know i've heard both i don't think he will i don't think tobias will come over yeah he doesn't travel like unless it's world champs overseas that's what it looks like joffrey and and jonathan win both came over to chicago last year absolutely will florian Florian who knows tom hogan Tom Hogan, no. I think Peter Schiller also no. You, you don't think Tom Hogan will? He went to Hong Kong on like a week's notice. He's not far enough. Like, 
He's like retired from individual. That's why he did that. He's like, this is my last hurrah. Oh, okay. I think he's, he's out for the season. He's going to do doubles with his, uh, with his, with his wife, Deanna. Okay. San- Sandy lives in like Doha now. Really? Yeah. So that's not an easy wow. trip anymore. Nope. And I think James Kelly is going to be in Australia. I mean, he traveled so much last year that I can't imagine an Australia to Chicago when he's got to be eyeing up that APAC last chance qualifier. Why know? was Sandy not in uh, Dubai? Mm. Roger's not fit. And then Alphonse, that's the Spanish me, dude. That's my guy. He might come over. Gabe, who knows? That's a long trip for him too. But you know, good old Wisconsin boy. But, yeah, not far well, from home. From the U.S. initially. Yeah. Ruben, we don't know. Yannick, who knows? And then, then it's your boy. So I think we it'd have be to really see Yannick close. again. Like everyone on the Hanover list, we need to see again. It's everybody. We need to see them again. We got to see it. Right. And well, I, I know Ruben, he went 31 and change for, or thir- no, he was like 3250. Never mind. Uh, Alphonse was 31. Which in Europe is like a 3040. Yeah. Do you even care? What? Who and about what? You. Would you skip Decca? Skip Decca? No. Okay. We were talking about Chicago. Chicago. Oh, Chicago. First Chicago. One. Yeah, the first one. So, but, yeah. Yeah, like you're right. The 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 most notable for the Hanover course is when Peter Schiller popped the 58-20 after Tom Hogan repeatedly gave him work like every race all year. Tom doesn't show up to Hanover. Dude drops like 90 seconds <laughs> in the Elite 15. I think I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about courses anymore. I'm done with this. I'm done with the narrative of the courses. It's just what it is. Your new narrative is that you're not gonna talk about courses anymore. No, I'm just not gonna talk about courses anymore. That's not my thing. Starting talk this year, we can still talk about talk last about. year's courses. We can talk about last year's courses for sure. This year, until you get to the venue again, it's like you're still the DecaFit World Champ until we get to the next DecaFit. Then we can stop talking about it, or we can confirm that you're a repeat champ. Until Hanover happens again. It's still the outlier that we have to see them prove it on a course this year. Our, our, Hong Kong. I'm going to set the line, Rich. I'm setting the line at uh, 0.5 mentions of courses. Uh, An episode? Madrid recap. No, just Madrid recap. Dude, Madrid. You said you're I never going to talk about it again. So in theory, you should take over. the under. I'm, Madrid's I'm course, over. it's going to be fair. It's going to be, it's going to be, the quality control is going to be standardized. Yep. Do you want that? No, I want I want it to be Wild. fast and, and measured super short, but I but I'm gonna come out and be like, the thing is my training's been really good. I had a really good approach. I'm thinking that I just put out a little bit better than I ever had before. And these times, legit. I knew I my had two twenty in me. Mm-hmm. I knew that sled push was waiting. I that's that's my main goal is to run fast and then take all the credit. That's my that's all I want to do. That's my main goal for going over there. I can't wait, and I can't wait to do it. Let's talk about such a good interview. <laughs> finish line. I've been saying for years these courses are legit. Le- I proved it. These Europeans deserve more credit. I was out here; it was hard. Um, Decafit, Indiana, Heck Mondo yeah. Surface. Speaking BK. of courses, goodness, Mondo's, Mondo's tricky. Because it's a little slick without spikes on. And it's hard. It's hard. 
He, yep. Yancey said it was Mondo. And I was like, oh, was it actually Mondo? Do we have confirmation about this? Yancey would know, right? He probably would. I mean, he's a track guy. He, he would know. Some people in the track world use Mondo to mean anything new age. Like anything that's not touch shredded tire. Mondo track is a new nice track to some people. What would be? I still think Yancey would know. What would be? But Mondo Indoor in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Like, what do they do there? What can you we get? Have Mondo all over the Midwest because we have no. A full indoor there's an Olympic training season. center. Yeah. Oh, really? They have an Olympic training center site at that facility. So and that too. Yeah, Midwest runs full indoor seasons, high school and college. So there's investment in indoor tracks. Yeah. Get them hydraulics out there. I don't know what that means. You ever seen the the the, the, the yeah the, oh, the tracks that will raise and and lower? Yeah. We don't, don't got that. that. Don't got that. Our guy Marcus Wallace, the Debo of Decafit, came through, snatched chains, stopped at the finish line, waited two seconds, so my time One would remain ahead, ahead of his. He's my guy like that. Who who's who's Debo's like? He had like a running guy, right? Like there was a dude who was always with him. In Friday, wasn't there, or would he just roll by himself? I thought he had a hype man. Music would play, and he'd come up on a bike on that bike squeaking. Either way, in this scenario, Bracken, you're red, and I am an ally of of Debo's. Joshua Gonzalez was thirty one forty three. Cole Walkington was thirty one fifty four. Then we had Austin Tennisov. Tennislav, Tennisov, Tennislav. He has the weird capitalization on the e, like. Ten Elshoff. Ten Elshoff. Sahoff. Yeah. I like it. 32-27. Paul Fitzpatrick, 33-23, rounding up that top five. Jack, these were pretty fast. These are fast, definitely. This wasn't a, a standard course. Um, they they didn't have the wallovers, so Yancey made an adjustment and he tested it with some people just to kind of see what would put people in the right time domain. So instead of like 20 wall overs, they did 25 shoulder overs because that was the equipment that they had right there. And, you know, it's been a couple seconds. I, I think that that's a reasonable adjustment given what you had. Um, what was the other one? The sit-ups. Air, yeah. Sit-ups. Um, not against the wall. They just did the standard deck of they do 25 deck of mile or they do 30. I think 25. Um, but the, if you but have the long arms, the, which I know Marcus has got a frame. Yeah. If you know how yeah. to do those deck of um, strong and deck of mild sit-ups, it can be like under 30 seconds. It's yeah. just like and not very taxing. You're like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, what was your low, your slowest split the entire race after uh, in deck of fit Philly was after the, the sit-ups. They can I got worked. Sit-ups yeah. are hard. Sit-ups on the walls. Yep. Say yep. they're not. Um, but, but the other one was that uh, the air bikes were not the same. They were normal. They were Assault Pro. Basic brand. Or, yeah. yeah. Where at a typical the black one that, you know, you see that you see a gym. lower level gym. Yeah. That you see at gyms. And uh, typically at a deck at a, a DECA, you'll get the uh, Assault Elite, which is a bit tougher. It's a little bit. You're not going to get the same amount of free energy. There's still some, but not the way that you'll get at like a regular um, Assault Bike. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. And then running on the track, that's that's just kind of cool, honestly. I would I'd love to run on an indoor track. And they pushed the torque tank on a basketball court, 
which I think is slower for the actual tank itself, but you're going to get probably better traction. They did they have one of those like uh, sticky pads that it had when you check into a basketball game, you could step on those real quick, and get out <laughs> there. I would imagine. Yeah. But Marcus yeah, 31, 14, really yeah. solid debut from him. Definitely. And we, we, we knew he's a monster Bracken, You've been talking about getting Wallace for like the past three months. Like no surprise. He crushed it. Uh, I, I think that if you wanted to run fast though, like considering everybody at the top ran between 52 and a minute 45 second PR, it's like, this would have been a, a good course to, to run fast if you wanted to. Yeah. That's yeah, what pulls his results it? right here. Right here. I don't know what to make it. Like if you guys looked in, looking into these, I don't know what this is. Like yeah, the actual. Yeah. Splits. I think they did. They did one lap and then it didn't show like the 229. Okay. Yeah. That 140 on lap like 2A, s- I think, is lunges plus your run right there. Cause if you were like 45 seconds on the run or on the uh-huh. lunges, now that's a 55 second lap. That might, you know, be. Yeah. I think it's a Marcus said as well. And I was still like, I don't know. I don't know how to, it, it doesn't, know. you can't piece anything together out of that, but no. that's. I don't know why it's like this. So this was a road show, right? And there's going to be a road show this upcoming weekend in St. Louis. Anybody, any idea who's, that, who's going to that, Jack? I do not. It's like a different entity, kind of. It's like they're not, they don't really operate the same way. Yeah. So we're going to see Marcus up in that. He's already qualified for the mile. Mile. He's going to get a strong in here in the next couple of weeks, which I'm, which might be his best event. And he's going to be in the fit now. Me and Marcus in, the sl- in that slow heat. Most likely. We would you think give, you're going to get bumped down? I don't know. Well, you've got give Glenn and crap. Go ahead. Yeah. Glenn Reese is showing up to Orlando for sure. Um, for people who don't have a mark and Chaz Hatton, I think that he's definitely going to gonna do some damage. I could see him sneaking in the top 20. He's just outside of it at the moment. And then Kyle Reed as well. He was 32 and changed before. So I, I could see two to three people getting in at this point. On the women's end, Morgan Schultz comes out. We've seen her in the past do really well in High Rocks. She was one of the first people to kind of jump onto that train as it arrived in the United States and was on the podium a couple times. Has had, you know, kind of taken a break from sport. Uh, and now we see her back. And, and Morgan is injuries. Injuries. She was in school for a while. School She's had a lot work, of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. And then she seems to be in a place now where she can kind of prioritize. She's young, right? Like, I mean, how yeah. old is Morgan? She's like Nick, Nick Riker age, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So seeing her come out and run 34, 35 right from the jump, good. three minutes in front of second place. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's yep. pretty good. Yep. She's one of these people that can put out on machines. Oh, yeah. Coming into this sport, able to be comfortable with running like she is. Mm-hmm. And she was a, what? 208 high school? In yeah, high school? High school. Well, she was. She almost never competed at Illinois because of injuries. So let's just say she's a 208, 800-meter runner. Mm-hmm. Like we make a lot of, uh, we make a big deal about Rose Wetzel being the fastest OCR athlete in terms of just speed. I think she was 209. Nicole Miracle, her PR is 209. Yeah, so Morgan Schultz has the track pedigree, but she can also put out on machines because she's, she's spent strong. so many hours on machines and she's strong. Right. So didn't she, she do like she CrossFit has, for a while? Like we just described this athlete for the men is who could come in and get after Hunter. 
we have Morgan. Yeah. D1 runner, lives on machines, got strong. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point. Yeah, I could see like Rebecca Ham is probably not going to come back, but it would take a a prototype like Rebecca or Morgan. Morgan's a really good comparison for who could who could step into the mix if she really put her mind to it. For sure. And that's going to be the thing, right? Like how much does she want to compete? How much does she want to, you know, push into there? But it seems like there's some space for her now where the past couple of years there would just be a little bit just it just didn't surviving fit. life. It just didn't fit, right? And that, and that can definitely happen for sure, especially in those early 20s. That happened to me in my early 20s, man. I was like, I don't know how to do life and train. Impossible. Yep. So it was great to see her back out there and, and do really, really well from the jump. Brooklyn Nichols coming in second, 37-33. And Raquel Ferris, 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 yeah, I think that's right. 39-56, rounding out that podium. 37 just, mid on your own, That's that's tough to do. Yeah, that's a good time too. We're going to pull up the global leaderboard, see how things shook up because it did make a shakeup on the men's side for sure. And then this is going to stick Morgan into the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's take a look here. We'll go right down to our guy. How are we uh, feeling, Jack? Like I said, Glenn, Chaz, and Kyle Reed. Scroll down just a little. Just, I, I just want to see. Where, I think Chaz is like 32, 33 or something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle Reed sitting in 31st. He'll do well. So Okay. Yeah. My, my gut is telling me probably not going to happen. Probably going to be first or second out. Well, you look at it. If, I don't think with, Ruben with or Alphonse will come over. Maybe Alphonse because he's undefeated. Maybe he's just like, these guys Think. maybe he, he is like i said he's the spanish me he's looking at these guys over here being like sucks and their that. courses are faster so, uh their courses are slower so he's probably like licking his chops yeah i don't think anybody else in the top 20 besides john clark I, cole walkington he actually won the age group last year i don't know if he'd want to win again his age group or if it'd be like I, hey i'm in the top 20 i'm just going to compete regardless um but i think everyone else has done solely elite at this point so yeah i'm I'm probably i'm probably out realistically yeah if i'm in cole's ear i'm telling him to do elite <laughs> you know and not not because not to kick you out but just, a, just 18 not. 18 and 24 you're you already won your age group you have a chance to run against elite athletes yeah. in this space like i think you what else are you gonna, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you're going to see several people in 11 through 20 sneak up and potentially get in that top 10 overall. So like, I, I mean, don't think it's going to go chalk. Like everyone in one through 10 is going to be the top 10 finishers at Worlds. No, I don't even know who's all going to show. Like if Ryland's healthy, if uh, Anas chooses to do DECA, if, you know, if, like McGee, like this could be something on Magita's plate and be like, Maybe I go to Stockholm. It's like if I train as hard as I can to get third in Deco, what's like that do? Two fourths last year and a third. I, I think he just wants a podium in one of these events. But if you can go to, if you can, if you're thinking like Magida, you can go to Stockholm. Flights are probably not that much different. His payday will probably be better if it's fifth. Could get an automatic qualifier if he gets fifth, depending on what happens in Chicago, yeah. right? That's a conversation yeah, that he true. would he would need to have. Yeah, he doesn't have the auto qualifier despite winning the regional. That's a good point. He has an auto qualifier into the major. He doesn't have yes. to work. He's he in to get that. six through fifteen as his qualifier, but not one one through five, right? Or those top five listed. 
Uh, Maybe I'm backwards. On he that. is in the top five listed, but he's not. Okay. Oh, because he won the regional. Because he won. Uh, Dylan's, the regional. Dylan's the one who didn't get it. Yes, Dylan needs okay. to get a time still. Yep. And then we go down. You know, John Clark most likely will go age group. You're gonna be right on the fringe, dude. You're I gonna know, be right I on know. the fringe. Yeah, it happens. Got to get you in and some Deca Mile and Strongs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have time to qualify for those realistically. We got a strong up here in Arvada next weekend. My brother's coming to town, and we've, we're going to Great Sand Dunes on Saturday. No, come on, go after, go after the strong. Go after strong. Yeah. The sand's going to be there. Promise. It's, it's true. Yeah. But Marcus fits nicely here in eleventh. Look at my guy. One second off. That's crazy. goodness. <laughs> I don't and know. It's like. If, Joseph Cotto is going to go to Orlando, but he's one of those guys. It's like he just keeps getting a little bit faster each time. Like he could get 30 high, 31 low and mess things up for you. A guy like Joe and Grady, right? Those two, like, you think that they would come to Dallas to do the second heat? I, th- I thought Grady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You think no, so? Gr- Grady's been posting like all year. He's like, do you think that uh, a guy who doesn't have a gym can end up getting top three at, High Rock Chicago or he says Indian. win. High Rocks LA win. is his is his goal. Okay, LA. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he like he, he does other have stuff. A gym. He yeah. does other stuff though. I don't know if like trail running really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like he might be look at this race and be like, eh. Do I want to go and outperform my seed and get seventh? I don't know. Mystery. I just hope that if every single person in the top twenty says they're gonna do it, that they actually do it. Right. But I'll be on site regardless. Gotta be on site. Gotta yeah. pull that. Also, James Kelly, Kent and Hunter both already prove that you can win a race without having a gym. Kent has a gym. Hunter has a gym, like equipment. Oh, I mean, what's the definition of having a gym? Kent has a skier, a curved treadmill, a rower, like yeah, 900 yeah. pounds to push. Uh, like, I think Grady's kind of like doing it without event specific equipment. I think so. I don't think he has so like a sled. Kent has a, a torque tank. Like he's probably the yeah, only person on the planet. Sled. He has a regular sled too. Now, but he won events without one. He won events I mean, before he had his full gym. He was he was yeah. a rep fitness athlete. They came in and said, "How much?" He said they gave him so much money that he couldn't even spend. He bought four barbells with this money. Four barbells for one man in a gym. After he's got equipment. He'd already won an event. Probably. Yeah. All right. So suck on that, Jack. All right. I, I still think my point's valid, but. You know, you're, I'm, I'm just saying, where does that, where's the line cross? Yeah. So let's take a look at the women. Meg Jacoby sitting on top. Oh, it's another thing too we should talk about after this. So I'm getting ahead of myself. I have my and... trivia and it's Decker related. So we're not moving on until I do my trivia. Okay. I'm great, also great. Out of, almost out of time here. We're at. We are definitely right. almost out of time. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up real quick. Morgan Schultz is going to stick herself right into ninth place. You, you'd imagine Michaela is not going to show up. And some of these women might not show up for Deca Worlds either. But mm-hmm. we're going to probably see Morgan in that fast. He bumped Stephanie yep. Hillman out. But again, Viola is probably not going to come. And she's on here twice. So oh, no. Nicole probably won't Stephanie show. This becomes so deep. Yeah. This women's field is good. Definitely Stephanie's some probably going to get in just outside. Yep. I think 
Michelle Navarro was like 16th or something last year and got in the top 12. So she might have another roll down. That was a pretty big roll down last year for deck, but yeah. I, I, looking at the names of these athletes, these are yeah. hybrid athletes now. Yeah. Like last year it was like Alex Walker and, uh, um, Miranda Kopinski, like yep. more OCR athletes who are, who are sliding in the top 12 and they got a bigger roll down, but these I are hybrid athletes. six to seven slide down because of Deca. I mean, because of high rocks. Yeah. I mentioned Jezebel more here. on the women's side for sure. Yeah. But we've got Shannon Payne and Camilla Massa who are going to be running, uh, Orlando who Camilla should not get had a mark yet. Camilla should definitely get it. I would imagine she's going to be 35 low. And who'd you, who else did you say? Uh, Shannon Payne, who raced oh, in right. the elite last right. year. All right, race brain teaser. Jack, what do you got? All right, race brain teaser. So if we're looking at first place, second place, third place, those are your elite podium positions. Name the five athletes who have achieved each of those spots in DECA fit history. How many? There are five. Men's three and men, women's. Two, three men, two women. First, second, third. BK, what do you got? At just yeah. a deck of fit or any deck of earth? Only fit. Only fit. Oh. Two women, you said? Three men, two women. Rich, you on that list? I don't think I've ever gotten second. Rich is not on the list. He has three wins and a third. Rylan? No. No? Rylan has... R- Two wins and a third. Oh, sorry. I keep, I'm thinking still that it's not just fit. Full fit. Riker? Nick Riker is, no, he has never got third. Two what? Wins, four second places. Oh, well, now, uh, Josh Gonzalez. Josh Gonzalez is, he's one of them. He has a first, two seconds, and a win. Four total podiums. Um, on, this is tough. It is is Tara on the women's side? Tara has seven wins and a second place. No third place. No third place. Seven wins. Wow. Chris. Chris Roglowski, one of them. She has one, two, one for first, second, third. Okay. And this is getting this is getting tricky now. This is only three years of racing. I know, you know all these people. You guys we, sh- we should have this in the names. bag. Magida. No. Magida's never won. He is second and third. Huh. Um, I'm trying to think of who who's who won these things. Was our guy um Joker. Derek York? Derek York is not. No. Oh. He's he's missing a second place. All right, Cut. we only get five four more guesses. All right. Is Alondra? Laundra's not. This, this is really disappointing, you guys. We've mentioned every single person on this podcast already. Yeah, we just read off the top 20. <laughs> Want to just give it to you? Lauren Weeks. <laughs> no. I don't know. Man, give we only got two of the five? We stink. It. All right. VJ Jones. Oh, Anas, have a win. Anas. Anas and Vivian Tefuto. Mm. Those are the three you missed. So we stink. Bad job. VJ's done three Deca fits. He did. Oh, he, uh, did, De- he did Denver. Denver. Second place there. 
Palm Beach and Austin. Or Denver didn't maybe, count. Maybe Austin, yeah. Denver didn't count. Might get another win in Orlando. Beach? Yeah. If he goes. Yeah. He's on the list. All right, we're going to wrap this thing up. We've gone too long. We had a lot of microphone talk before we started this episode. I just want to give a shout to Terry Jackson. Did break the Deca Mile World Record held previously held by Meg Jacoby over the weekend. So Tara's looking like she's going to round up in the shape the way she did last year, which and is Deca Fit Deca Mile teams as well. Coed, they won like fifteen something. That what? You're I think a I'm teams, not. You're a team's coed record holder. Not in like a gym, not like a gym event. How many? How many? How many record? Hold, how many Deca record holders are there then? If, they're, if we're going to do mile and strong teams, male, female, and coed, it's like eighteen or something. There's too many record holders. Yeah. Everybody who runs it is a record holder. That's it. That's it. All right, we're going to we stop this. If you guys could keep up your, uh, just don't leave yet. All right, we're leaving. See ya.